You're listening to The 30 Podcast. Here's your host, Jazz Kang. Welcome to another episode of The 30 Podcast. I'm your host, Jazz Kang. Podcast is brought to you by Sports Blog Nation. You can check us out at silverscreenandroll.com. Harrison, Christian, and the entire crew has you covered with everything Lakers updated every day. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter as well at LakersSBN. I'm at JazzKang21. Joining me today, a guy who has been a Lakers fan since he was basically in his mother's womb, uh, NBA League Pass aficionado, also a sports anchor and reporter for Sportsnet 650, Marcus Fitzgerald. Marcus, how you doing? I'm doing well, Jazz, and I was wondering how you were going to introduce me. I really like NBA League Pass aficionado because I know your listeners are thinking, what are you getting a guy from Vancouver out here on? I watch the Lakers all the time, so to be an aficionado for anything, Makes me really, really excited to be here with you. Well, the sad part is that's the only thing you're fishing out about. That's the that's the problem. You spend so much time on league pass. That's all you end up doing half the time. <laughs> we already knew that big guy. We already knew that. <laughs> uh, Lakers, bit of a bit of a bad run here. Obviously, without LeBron James, one and three since the King went down with a groin injury. Uh, bad loss yesterday against OKC. Mind you, they were missing Kyle Kuzma in the end. Also, Ray John Rondo not in the lineup. Uh, should be a win tomorrow against the Knicks, but one thing in the NBA, nothing is guaranteed. Uh, Marcus, when you're watching the Lakers play right now, especially without LeBron, how do you think they've been uh, kind of adapting to life without having him in the lineup? Well, I, I think they're adapting fairly well, uh, considering the pieces that they have to uh, uh, lean on, because we knew that going into the season, yes, LeBron is going to run the show, but we want to see uh, how much the young children are, are going to uh, to grow up. And I mean, Lonzo played exceptionally well that game against Sacramento, where they lost at the buzzer. Kuzma played really well that night, too. Brandon Ingram, now that LeBron is not on the floor, looks a little bit more comfortable. And we saw Ingram play uh, exceptionally well at home at Staples against uh, Sacramento a few nights ago as well. So by and large, the kids, I think, look pretty good without LeBron. The problem is now, with LeBron in tow on the floor, the expectations rise, as, as we all know. And now that LeBron is not on the floor, um, it's not good enough for the kids just to have flashes. And that's kind of what, uh, you know, the Ingrams and the Kuzmas and the Balls and, and Josh Hart as well have been showing the last couple of years. There's been flashes. There's been reasons to get excited about these guys, but we don't know if they can do it on a night-to-night basis. That's the biggest thing, the biggest issue with the young core right now. It gets you know, sped up and sped along because LeBron is here now, particularly when he's off the floor. Now they actually have to carry things and win ball games. It's not enough just to have moral victories anymore. I think they're actually handling it exceptionally well. The problem is I don't quite know that they're ready for this stage when they have to really drive the bus with LeBron James not on the floor with them. Yeah, I, I agree. And, you know, we're looking at the three young guys, like the big expectation coming into the season was, hey, you know what? Like, this is going to be Ingram is going to be the number two guy, maybe Kuz, but one of them will kind of take the reins there. And then you have Lonzo. He'll make a jump, you know, going into year two. I uh, haven't really seen that from anybody but Kuzma. Like, Lonzo has been re- just like invisible when it comes to the offensive end. He's, you know, he's had some games, especially had that triple double um, against Charlotte there where he kind of played well. He looked good, but. Um, overall, like it's just been a struggle for them, and I'm I'm completely off the Ingram train. I'm not, I'm not going to even pretend anymore. Like uh, I just think he's a bad fit with LeBron. I'm not saying he's a bad basketball player. He's still a young guy, a lot of room to grow. 
Um, but with LeBron being here for another three seasons after this one, I just don't see how, how they're going to fit together. And yesterday I was watching that game against OKC and it was kind of like, all right, you know what, even if you, chances are they're going to come up short, especially without Kuzma, right? They just didn't have the offensive, you know, big guns to keep up with a guy like Westbrook and, and Paul George. But at the same time I was watching, I was like, come on, man, like be aggressive, do something, try and make a move, try and try and get to the hole, try and, you know, penetrate and dish out to somebody for an open three. And I, I just didn't see any assertiveness from him. And to me, that's like a cause for concern now, because if you're looking at this lineup, um, yeah, they're good enough to finish. I think if everything goes well and, and barring injury, they're good enough to finish in the top four um, in the Western Conference. But I don't know how much further than that they're going to get. Well, I'll, I'll start with... Um... Uh, with with Lonzo on this one because Lonzo in the fourth quarter the other night um, against Oklahoma City last night we're taping this on a Thursday so I'm saying last night um, when he got in when he was in the fourth quarter he really didn't offer much at all in terms of um, aggressiveness offensively and that's been the biggest knock on Lonzo and it's also been disappointing to see because I think back to his time even at UCLA when he was going to be uh, a top two pick and the Lakers were in line to potentially draft him um, at the time. I saw him take over games. There was that regular season game against Oregon where he hit a couple of big threes down the stretch and drove off the dribble four layups, finishing at the rim, which is something he hasn't really done successfully at the NBA level. There was that game in the tournament for UCLA. I, th- I want to say it was uh, the Sweet 16 against Cincinnati where he really took over down the stretch. Uh, it was able to get to the basket and finish and make plays and and hit a couple of jump shots, and everyone thought that it was going to translate to the NBA. We haven't really seen that, and I think a big part of that, Jazz, is that Lonzo is, I believe, 46% at the free throw line this season. Um, When you don't have the confidence, and I don't think he has it right now, to make free throws, that's going to affect your decisions with the ball, no matter what type of player you are. Alonzo can drive to the basket, but if he's going to get hacked, he knows he's going to be thinking about it every time he goes to the free throw line. So that's Alonzo's biggest problem right now. It starts in the free throw line, and it works his way out. He needs to be more aggressive. As for Brandon Ingram, I don't think he fits as well with LeBron James because he kind of established himself in the first couple of years as a guy who had the potential to be a playmaker, who could make plays for other guys. But now that LeBron is here, Ingram doesn't have the ball. And I almost get the sense that he feels lost out there sometimes. And part of that is on uh, Luke Walton. There's been a lot of criticism about Luke and the way that he runs this offense. Now that LeBron went out, when LeBron went out on Christmas, I immediately thought, well, Brandon Ingram better take over or he's going to be traded. Um, it's, it's just that simple. So I agree with you there. I don't, I don't think he fits well with LeBron. And even now with LeBron out, I don't see that assertiveness from him. Even though he's only 21 years old, Jazz, we always forget about this. He's only 21. He's not 32 years old. His ceiling is incredibly high. But this is the Lakers. This is Laker fandom. This is Los Angeles. People are going to be impatient. Kuzma's probably the best, you know, sidekick to LeBron at this point. He's going to be okay, and hopefully he'll be all right going forward. They can't afford to to miss him for a few games. But by and large, Lonzo's got to be aggressive. Brandon Ingram has just got to be, you know, more decisive with his decisions with the ball. And uh, Kyle Kuzma as well, I think, is going to be okay. I, I think of all the young guys, I think Kuzma gets the pass here. Oh, yeah, for sure. He's been he's been the best out of them, hands down, you know, throughout the season. And and he's almost shown, like, a, a killer instinct that, 
you want to see from the rest of the guys. I mean, he's dropping 18 points, uh, grabbing five boards a game. His rebounding has been a whole lot better uh, the last 10, 15 games or so. So he's getting active um, on other aspects of basketball other than scoring. You're talking about Lonzo's free throw percentage. Dude shot 67% at UCLA. He's down to 46. Like, I don't understand how that happens. How do you end up going from um the, the college game to be an average you know just a below average i'd say free throw shooter um and then you you know you're like all right the guy gets into it because even with like ben simmons I, I see ben simmons will probably develop a jump shot as he goes forward he'll get better at the free throw line and it's not like lonzo ball has hands like uh deandre jordan or Shaq, where he's holding a tennis ball in his hand i, I don't get how this guy's not getting better at it it's like all you got to do is get in the gym and shoot some more and and the free throw free throw shooting especially when it's not a physical thing is something you should be able to improve on as you're playing in the professional ranks. Well, the thing with Lonzo, and I like that you mentioned DeAndre Jordan, um, he didn't really play a whole lot in the fourth quarter on, on Christmas Day against Golden State. That was the Rajon Rondo game, as, as we all recall. And, I mean, he's gotten, you know, a few minutes here and there in fourth quarters, but it's just gotten to the point where Luke Walton is hesitant to have him close games just because he can't go to the line and, and knock shots down. And I realize it's a team-wide problem. I mean, as, as a group, uh, at the line, the Lakers have just flat out stunk this season, and it's actually cost them uh, a couple of games here and there. The the one in Sacramento on the road uh, last week certainly sticks out. But I also think with Lonzo, he retooled his jump shot over the summer heading into this year. And, you know, when you get to the free throw line and it's just you up there and you're thinking about mechanics, and I don't know for certain. I mean, I'm not there. I don't know that Lonzo has the new mechanics in his head all the time, but I have to wonder if that plays into it, if that's what he thinks about every time he, he goes to the line. If you're worrying about mechanics, if you're worrying about your stroke, there's no way you're going to hit free throws. I don't care if you're at the, the cavernous Staples Center with everything behind the basket where it's probably feeling like you know 50,000 feet deep behind that backboard or if you're just you know at a court at Venice Beach. I mean, either way, if you're thinking about your mechanics at the line, you're going to struggle um, at the free throw line. So I, I think the the retooling of his jump shot in the summertime hurts Lonzo at the line, but um, typically players in college who struggle at the free throw line are better once they get to the pros. I watch every March. You know, I tune in and watch college ball. I always say to myself, these, these kids can't hit free throws, but they get better when they get to the professional ranks. Lonzo's an outlier. He's, he's going in the opposite direction, but I wonder if, you know, retooling that controversial jump shot of his has actually affected his ability at the free throw line. He needs to do. He needs to come with Marcus Fitzgerald to the school of shooting and sit in Poco and and try and work on uh, trying to work on that stroke. Right. <laughs> I made I made two big free throws down the stretch in grade ten that won us a provincial championship. Man, that was only two. It wasn't five hundred like these guys have to make. But I can tell you, it shouldn't be that hard to make free throws. And the Lakers are making it really hard on themselves this season. It's cost them some games, and it's going to continue to do that. Not only you know, in the regular season right now, but down the stretch when LeBron does come back. And who knows, it might cost him a, a playoff game or two. Yeah, you're right. I mean, they're sitting at 68% um, and dead last in the league. So, you know, that's something uh, Luke Walton, I don't know if he wants to take more time out of practice to, to do that. But I also, you know, from playing the game, it's like that's something the players have to work on themselves, right? They have to put the extra time in, stay in the gym for an extra hour or two and just work on the stroke and find find a kind of that routine that works for you. If you're fiddling with it too much, it's going to end up kind of being burdensome as you go forward. Like you mentioned with Lonzo, um, try and change his stroke. Another interesting thing from yesterday Paul George booed like crazy, like crazy. The pregame yeah. introductions, you know, when, when he had the ball, people were just hating on him. 
what were your thoughts when you were watching that? Were you okay with that as a Lakers fan? Or is that kind of like, why are you turning this guy off of potentially coming here? Because his next contract, I mean, this one will be up by the time he's, I think he'll be 31 or 32. So he's not like he's going to be an old man at that time. And, and maybe that, that'll be the period where he signs. Mind you, that does coincide with when uh, I believe LeBron, is his contract's up too. So that'll be interesting to see. Yeah, that's certainly a little bit down the line. I mean, uh, Paul George is a, uh, seems like a very professional guy. I know you've had a chance to... Uh, catch up with him a couple times seems like a good dude and he's even said so after the game he said look a little booing isn't going to make me forget how to play basketball I'm the bad guy here I understand it and that's it so he said all the right things after the game as far as the uh, fan reaction I quite frankly wasn't really surprised I mean Paul for a couple of years said look I, I'd like to be a Laker I want to wear this uniform I'm from Palmdale I want to come to LA and I want to play for the Lakers and, and play for this organization and play for these fans. And that was kind of the narrative for a couple of years. And then, you know, give Sam Presti credit, he swooped in, made the trade, took the chance, and and, and he re-signed in the offseason. He wants to run with Russell Westbrook, and quite frankly, it's looked successful to this point. But when you consider that, you know, Paul took all that time, he also made a little documentary that ran on ESPN that made you think, well, you know, maybe he's going to come home. Maybe he's going to come to L.A., and this is all his big setup, and LeBron's going to show up, and they're going to challenge the Warriors for the Western Conference elites, and here we go. And then it suddenly didn't happen. Suddenly, Russell Westbrook has a party in his backyard, and Paul George shows up, and they're smoking cigars. It's not the way people in Los Angeles, not the way Lakers fans planned it. So I understand the vitriol. It's a passionate fan base. However, you know, LeBron James is still on the team. And I think, I think Luke Walton came out and said this. He said, look, we tried to get players. And Paul didn't come here, but LeBron James did. We're happy to have LeBron James on our team. That's just the way it goes. But I am not surprised that uh, the fans got a little upset because there was enough smoke, you know, out there to suggest that he was going to come to L.A. And, and he didn't. And then he has a great game last night against the Lakers to boot uh, when Russell Westbrook goes 3-20 of from the floor. So there's, uh, you know, certainly reasons for the fan base to be as upset as they were, and, and who knows what it does down the line. But for right now, I think Paul George is happy with the decision he made, and I guess we'll see uh, what happens uh, in the postseason. It's funny. He when I when I was talking to him at the event um, uh, that that I was at, and he you know he was like he wasn't saying no, you know OKC is it. He was like he openly said, and I think Arash Markazi put it on on Twitter there as well. He was like, hey. I'm open to it. You know what I mean? In four years, he, he wants to come back home. He talked a lot about being in, uh, growing up in Palmdale, having his, uh, his family there, his older sister and, and kind of, you know, learning how to, he wants to give back to the community. And I, I don't think that that's far fetched, but I also think Lakers fans, as we know, they're very passionate about, about their team. So um, I, I could see why they were getting all, all pissy with them a little bit um, at the point yesterday, but I mean, you're going to have to deal with this for another three more years, barring a trade. So let's not turn him off too much <laughs> to the point that he, he doesn't want to come here. Another thing I want to touch on with you looking at the two, uh, 2019 NBA free agent class, uh, big, big deal being made about this. I, I think the Lakers, unless you can get a guy like Anthony Davis, obviously, um, that's a move you want to make, but right now is, isn't the time to, to look at making other deals to bring in a guy like Bradley Beal or something, giving up assets. When you're looking at those at the top uh, free agents, you know, Kevin Durant, Kawhi Leonard, um, these guys, who do you think is going to be the most likely target for the Lakers and who as a Lakers fan do you want to see in the uh, purple and gold? Well, I would think the biggest target would be Kawhi Leonard. Uh, Kawhi is is very similar to Paul George in 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 his game and style of play. Uh, Kawhi is certainly a little bit better, I think, than than Paul George. I mean, Paul George is probably top ten, top fifteen in the world, whereas Kawhi is 
maybe top five, top eight, maybe even top three, depending on who you talk to. I, I think Kawhi is probably their, their biggest target right now. Uh, he certainly was when uh, LeBron arrived. He certainly was when the Kawhi decided he wanted out of San Antonio. And uh, there was, you know, the chatter again, do you move the young kids for an established piece like Kawhi Leonard? And, and we know that uh, little brother, the Clippers are going to do everything they can to try to convince Kawhi that uh, the Clips are the place to be. And maybe they can get Kevin Durant to come with him. But if I'm the Lakers, I think the number one target is Kawhi. And then uh, you move down the list from there. As far as Kevin Durant, I think there's a chance that he leaves Golden State. I don't think he wants to go to Los Angeles and play with LeBron. I know he said those things about, you know, uh, the environment being toxic uh, when when LeBron James is around. I don't think he said that just to say it. I think he meant that. I think that means something to him. I don't know that he wants to go to Los Angeles. Um, and, And Clay Thompson has said repeatedly that he's a warrior. He's uh, paid handsomely to play in the Bay with Steph and all those guys. I don't think he's going to leave at all. As for Bradley Beal, Anthony Davis, uh, obviously that's a little more complicated. So I think the number one target for them is Kawhi. And then after that, maybe down the line, you look at uh, Chris Middleton or something like that. Kemba Walker is a name that kind of pops up as well. Uh, but Kawhi's the number one guy, and then there's everybody else after that. Maybe you disagree, but I think uh, Leonard's the number one target, and everybody else is is secondary. I think he's I think he's up for grabs. I was reading in a story on ESPN.com today. Uh, they were talking with him, and it, it was interesting to kind of read, um, you know, wh- what he was like a- about it all. It was kind of funny, like when he was talking about, um, uh, he was asked about kind of you know being in Toronto. He didn't seem like he's totally thrilled with being there. He's like, oh, it's cold, it's different, and going to different places, you could you could feel that. It's it's just a different vibe. So uh, to me, I'm not sold on the fact that he'll be there. Of course, the, there's a lot of uh, rumors that the Clippers are going to make a, a pretty good run at, at Kawhi, and that, that might be his preferred destination. They also mentioned that in the story too. So I think that's something to keep his eye on. But I mean, being in Canada, uh, how, how do you think he's been kind of with the Raptors, and do you see him possibly resigning with the Raptors, or in your opinion, is that just not going to happen? Well, as as we know, Jazz Kawhi is a as he said at the beginning of the season, he's a fun guy. I would love to reenact the Kawhi laugh properly. I can't do it. I know you can't either, but we all know what that sounds like. No, it, watching Kawhi with the Raptors has actually been uh, pretty entertaining, quite frankly, uh, when he's healthy and he's on the floor. Uh, there's just a way about him. He's, he's just so clinical. He just goes out and plays, and, and he goes home. There's no drama. There's no nothing, although certainly he went out of his way to create his own drama at San Antonio. And even after the game tonight uh, against the Spurs uh, in Texas, he said, well, you know, it's the media. You guys drum it all up, when, quite frankly, it was, it was he who started it. So that was that, that's about as spicy as Kawhi Leonard gets. But getting back to the initial question, yes, it's been fantastic to watch Kawhi Leonard with the Raptors because you realize, you know, a team like Toronto with a top three, four, five talent in the world, pretty tough to beat in the Eastern Conference. And you realize just how good Kawhi Leonard's been. We, we forget, we didn't see him at all last year. He only played nine games. And we haven't really seen him at uh, top form since before that Western Conference final series against the Warriors a couple of years ago when they were up big in game one and then Zaza steps on his ankle and then everything goes sideways after that you know, in Texas. But he's been great to watch for the Raptors. He's been a good fit when he's healthy and he's on the floor and you know, the Raptors have uh, hit a little bit of a rough patch as of late, but even Kawhi said the other day, hey, man, I'm just getting ready for June. So he's got that championship mentality. He's very clinical with the way he plays. You, you know he's going to go out there. He's going to give you 20 points. He's going to give you 
you know, four steals, nine or ten rebounds, three or four assists, and he's just going to be one of the best players in the world. And whether or not, you know, Masai Ujiri and, 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 and company are going to keep him there remains to be seen because, you know, like you said, he thinks it's too cold. <laughs> he might not stay. He might want to come back to L.A. But, you know, for the, for the short term, for the Raptors, it's been, it's been fantastic. I just don't know if, if he resigns because we never know with Kawhi. He doesn't really say a whole lot. Well, you know, if they're not able to sign one of the big fish and they do have to sign, like, I think Kemba Walker is obviously a very good player. He's having a phenomenal season so far. Uh, but the problem is, like, you ain't winning a championship with with Kemba Walker, I think, as your number two guy, right? I, I don't think he's at that level where if you put him next to LeBron, that instantly puts him up there with a team like the Warriors or even the Celtics in the East. And, te- you know, surprise teams now like Denver co- coming on pretty strong. And, and I think Philly will eventually get there, too. And um, when I was talking with Brian Windhorst, he, he mentioned that, um, you know, LeBron on the outside seems like he's a pretty easygoing and, 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 uh, you know, a guy who doesn't really, you know, get too riled or anything, but, you know, he specifically mentioned, obviously after covering him for this long, he would know, um, LeBron's a very impatient dude. And especially when it comes to basketball. And if you're looking at this team and I think, you know, it's funny, we saw that picture from yesterday of, um, of LeBron, Rob Plinka, and Magic Johnson kind of sitting there in their yeah, serious right. face. And I'm like, I, you know, I'm not going to read, I'm not saying it about the picture, but I mean, they all, you know, especially LeBron and, and, uh, and, and Magic Johnson, like, they know basketball and they're probably looking at the, these young guys like, all right, they didn't make the kind of leap that we wanted them to. And he's going to want to make a move sooner than later. He doesn't want to waste the last four years of his career. And Father Time is undefeated. We know that as as superhuman as LeBron James is. um, He's going to get impatient and try and win a title. And obviously there's... There's a huge thing with Anthony Davis with the clutch sports, and there, there's a there's a variable there. But if the Celtics can put together a decent package, um, more than what the Lakers are offering in terms of picks and stuff, I don't know what the quick fix is going to be for these guys going forward. What do you think? Well, it is it is going to be difficult, and gets back to kind of what we were talking in the beginning about uh, Kuzma and 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 Ball and and Brandon Ingram. I mean, you look at some of these second year guys like uh, like Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons in Philadelphia are are you know, uh, Kuzma, Ball, and Ingram on the level of, of an Embiid or Simmons when he's at, you know, 100% and, and playing the way he's he's capable of playing, I don't know. It's, it's all been flashes with these kids. And even at the beginning of the year, um, all the chatter was, well, LeBron's happy to be patient. It's the bridge year. They want to see what they've got in these kids. But suddenly, now that LeBron is hurt and the kids have to take over for a little bit, uh, when we assumed at the beginning of the year that LeBron would just be RoboCop and play 98 games and, and take the team to the finals, we realized there's a little bit of mortality now uh, with Braun. It's, it's not good when uh, suddenly a muscle pops. Like he, he said that on Christmas Day, I felt something pop. That, that's a good thing. And, I, and I'm sure there's a few Laker fans who might have had some flashbacks in 2013 when Kobe Bryant started to break down like an old jalopy. I mean, you know, LeBron's a great player, and he goes to incredible lengths to take care of his body, but he is 34 years old, and he did play every game last season, and he dragged that Cleveland team to the final. That's going to wear on him. So I understand now if he's going to go into impatient mode as much as it contradicts what he said at the beginning of the season, if he knows, and he knows his body better than anybody, obviously, if he knows it's time – then it's time. And if you're Magic and Rob, what else can you do? You brought LeBron James in. You know what it's all about. You know LeBron is essentially going to pull the strings and and run the team, and you know that's what everybody's going to think. But with LeBron here and with his mindset changing, suddenly you've got to go into overdrive 
and maybe you trade Brandon Ingram, and maybe you throw in Alonzo Ball, and maybe something else for Anthony Davis just to appease the guy who you know you can trust who's going to be there, and more importantly, get the Lakers to where they need to be. I don't know that the kids can do that, but we know that LeBron with an Anthony Davis potentially could, and that's what makes this so spicy as, uh, as, as we move forward towards April, May, and June. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that all plays out. I don't, you know, I got, right now, I don't know. Um, I think the Lakers are looking at it. And again, I'm, I'm not saying this is factual, but I'm looking at them like uh, they can't stick with these guys in this roster going forward. Obviously, they have a plan in place. Um, as Mike Tyson says, you, everybody has a plan until you get punched in the face. I think they got punched in the face <laughs> a couple of times, not being able to sign uh, big name guys when they, when they thought they would. They thought they'd be, they'd be in the running for LeBron. And uh, this isn't this current regime with uh, Magic and Rob Palenka, but they thought they'd be, you know, the Lakers franchise thought they'd be in the running for LeBron back when he signed in Miami. Then when he went back to Cleveland and they thought they'd have a chance at Durant and, you know, LaMarcus Aldridge didn't want to come here. So um, they, they're going to have to try and maybe make some moves unless they start seeing something good happening out of uh, out of Ingram and Ball, because I think Kuzma's going in the right direction. Uh, did you see the whole like LeBron goat thing where he was talking on uh, ESPN Plus about uh, his more than athlete series there about him being the goat? What are your thoughts on that? I I I, I did catch that. I, I thought it was I thought it was interesting. Um, I, certainly, I I don't mind when an athlete comes out and thinks he's the greatest of all time and and he's in a place to say that he feels he's the greatest of all time heck i remember on uh, the first episode of the shop as hbo show draymond green who has been uh, an adversary of ron for the last few years basically said you know hey lebron eventually in your career you reached a point where you were able to come out and say hey i'm here and and i remember lebron hearing that from draymond and and nodding so it doesn't surprise me at all that that uh, LeBron believes that. And if he wants to come out and say that, that's just fine. He certainly has the credentials to, to you know, make an argument. But, um, you know, LeBron has reached a point in his career where he's comfortable in saying whatever he wants to say. He's going to do whatever he wants to do. Uh, he's going to sip some wine walking into Staples Center when he's, <laughs> you know, on the injured list, which is what we saw last week. He's in a place where I'm LeBron James. I'm going to do what I want, even though I'm going to try to do so within the constructs of the team. And whatever happens after that, you're just going to have to deal with it. Quite frankly, I'm enjoying this version of LeBron. This, uh, you know, 34-year-old, I don't care. You're going to have to deal with it, LeBron James. I'm digging it. I understand why you'd want to say something like that. So I really, really don't have an issue because, the goat argument can drag on forever. We we can still talk about that. I mean, we're you know we're in our thirties now. We're still going to be talking about that when we're sixty. Okay, we're still going to be doing that when we're sixty years old. So I don't have any problem with the fact that he wants to proclaim himself the greatest of all time because he's clearly reached a point in his career where he's going to walk in, wear what he wants, say what he wants, and drink some wine on the way into the building. So that's completely fine. Yeah, that was awesome to see. I love the fact that he walked in with the wine. I was like, okay, okay, LeBron, all right. That's, you know what? Yeah, you're, you're starting to show show yourself and, and be you. Because, you know, it's funny. People always ask, uh, you look at your 20s compared to your 30s. Like, my 30s have been more fun than my 20s were. I mean, I went out a lot more and did a lot more dumb things when I was 20 and, and you know, went out to bars and that kind of stuff. But being thir- in your 30s, you kind of know who you are. And, and you're kind of, like, like you said, like LeBron's like almost getting to that point where he's like, you know, like a 55, 60-year-old man in terms of being like, nope, this is how I do things and this is how it is. If you want to be a part of it, you can. If not, get the hell out of my way. So good for him. I, I love the fact that we're seeing this and he's not being um, Mr. Politically Correct. And, and you're right. You know what? I think for any athlete, 
um, for the guys who are at that level, you have to believe you're the greatest. I think if you ask Kobe Bryant in confidence who he thinks he's the is the greatest of all time, he's going to say me. You know, even guys like oh, Bill Russell. Bill Russell still says it. He's like, I'm the greatest, you know, I'm the best of all time. As, well, you know, we know that Kobe, no matter what, you know, no matter what the subject line is, Kobe, are you the greatest in, in table tennis? Yes, of course I am. Kobe, are you the greatest in beer pong? Yes, of course I am. We know that with Kobe. But that, but that's good with these guys. We, 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 want, we want to hear them say those kinds of things. And yet when we do, people still tend to get riled up. They still tend to get upset. And that's kind of the delicate balance that we strike because we want personality from these guys. But when they come out and actually show the personality, everybody gets mad and then the fake outrage comes out online. So it's a, it's a nice little dance that we always have to uh, maneuver through on, uh, on, on Twitter and Instagram and, and everywhere else. What do you think the biggest fault with the Lakers has been? I, I, again, in terms of long term now, like, I mean, they haven't been a championship contender uh, really since they won last time in, in 2010. That 2011 team you kind of knew um, wasn't, wasn't going to win. Like, how, how much do you think Dr. Buss's passing had, had to do with kind of the, the team was in disarray there. I know Jim Buss did, did a terrible job of running it, had the right idea uh, trying to bring in guys like Steve Nash and Dwight Howard. That was a disaster uh, back in that 2012 season. But what do you think it's going to take for the Lakers to get back to where everybody expects the Lakers to be? Well, I, I, I think they're on the right track right now, but you know, keep in mind that's after basically five years of, of wandering through the, the, the wilderness. And that was after a run of, about 30 years where the team was always in contention. They were always right there. They almost always had big stars. There was that little gap there where, uh, you know, magic had to retire. So maybe between like 91 and 95, 96 before Shaq showed up, that's about it. I mean, every other, basically every year of my life, I've been alive since 86. Uh, you know, the Lakers have been, you know, uh, a force and, and, and a brand and they always seem to contend. And that's why these last five years have been so strange for, you know, for the bus family and for, for Laker fans and for people in Los Angeles and Laker fans all over the world. I mean, they're not used to this type of, you know, losing and having to, to continuously rebuild and, and wait on these kids. I mean, it's been something new. It's been something different And only finally, are they, you know, getting back on the right track, but that's only because the greatest player, you know, on the planet at 34 years old, just decided, you know what, being a Laker still means something. So I'm going to come here, I'm going to play for Magic Johnson, and I'm going to be the guy. And I think that's a generational thing. LeBron James is 34 years old. I'm turning 33 this year. Even I understand that it's kind of cool to be a Laker, and it means something to wear a Laker uniform. I don't know that it means the same to a lot of these young kids. And I think we're at a point now where the Lakers can't just – you know, say we're the Lakers and have guys come and sign with them. I know Russell Westbrook before the game, you know, against uh, OKC a couple nights ago last night said that I don't believe in small markets. If you're playing the way you're playing and you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, uh, everything is going to take care of itself. I I think that really shows. And, um, you know, I, I, I think there's an old school thought process to the Lakers for years where we can just get the, you know, the, the biggest stars because we can sell our culture and our winning and the environment and the city and the stars that come up to watch you. And that's it. I don't think that matters to the young kids anymore. LeBron might be one of the last vestiges of that where, you know, coming to a city like Los Angeles and being a Laker 
is still cool and being around Magic Johnson is still cool because LeBron is a student to the game and he respects the history. But I don't know that that means something to these younger kids. And we kind of saw what that's like over the course of the last five years. Paul George didn't even take a meeting. We talked about Paul George earlier. After all, that didn't even take a meeting with the Lakers. LaMarcus Aldridge didn't come. Dwight Howard booked it and left. And uh, only now with LeBron James as, you know, one of the older guys who still kind of gets it, are they starting to get back on track? So I think that's the reason why. These younger kids, I don't think playing in these big markets in these big cities matters as much anymore as it used to. Yeah, I, I agree with you. You know, for me, growing up, it was always like Lakers, Lakers, Lakers. You know what I mean? They were they were the the talk of the town, and the Celtics were kind of the a little bit before our time. You know, growing up in the '90s, we didn't really hear much about the Celtics. It was you know Jordan and the Bulls, but the it was Lakers, Lakers. And obviously, once they got Shaq and and Kobe, kind of turned things around. So hopefully, they can uh, hopefully they can try and attract some of those big name guys and get and get to where they are because the NBA always more fun when the Lakers are good. Well, yeah, yeah the NBA needs. Uh, a winner in the Lakers. It needs a winner in the Knicks. It needs a winner in the Celtics. I mean, you know, that's not coming for a while. The Knicks, unless they get Zion, they're, well, not, they're not coming for a while. <laughs> well, look, Zion's going to go to the Knicks, and then Kevin Durant will decide he wants to go save them when when Zion shows up, and maybe Chris Porzingis will finally get healthy. That's your three step program right there to save the Knicks. <laughs> but the NBA is always going to need, you know, those franchises uh, to to be something to be in it to uh, you know compete to be competitive to compete for championships and yeah i mean you got guys like uh russell westbrook and okc you got Giannis in milwaukee people are tuning in to watch the milwaukee bucks play you couldn't have said that uh five or six years ago it is a different league it is a different time but it just means a little bit more when you've got those heritage brands uh going into the postseason and and, and competing for championships uh it brings in the tv dollars maybe a little bit more um, you know, it's, it's, it's just a better thing for the league. It's a better thing for everybody. Hopefully, you know, for the, for the Knicks as well, hopefully they can get back to it. Uh, but they've been going through it for like, uh, you know, 10 or 15 years, maybe not just five or six, but it is better for the league. I think the, the LeBron move in general, uh, was, was a good move for the league. And, and, you know, hopefully in the next couple of years, uh, maybe the Lakers do what they've said they plan to do, sign a second big free agent. Maybe Anthony Davis shows up in a couple of years, who knows, but, um, when the Lakers are better, uh, the league is better, and it's as simple as that. Yeah, they they need to uh, they do need to, to shore things up going forward, especially with LeBron having three years left. And as we talked about, um, you know, with his with with the age thing, you never know what, what, what how things are going to shake out. The good news for them though, they got a bunch of winnable games coming up here. Uh, hopefully, they do get LeBron back at some point before the middle of the month because you look at their schedule. They're versus the Knicks on Friday night. Uh, Minnesota on Sunday at Dallas, home to Detroit at Utah, and then home against Cleveland and Chicago. So they can make up some serious ground uh, in the West coming up here. Marcus, want to thank you for taking the time out to come on here. Uh, you can check him out on Twitter at Marcus Fitzy. Pretty funny guy, uh, although he likes, maybe he likes to think he's a little bit funnier than he is, but overall, he's a pretty damn good follow. Thanks, Ben. <laughs> Thanks for doing this, buddy. Appreciate it. <laughs> Uh, that's all we have for this week's episode. Uh, tune in again next week. Don't forget to check us out at silverscreenandroll.com. Uh, Harrison, Christian, the entire crew has you covered. And you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. If you don't have an iPhone, check it out on Google Podcasts. And don't forget to go to silverscreenandroll.com. You can listen to the podcast there as well. I'll catch you all next week.